If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. The trials and challenges of life take their toll on every couple. But you refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. This is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we're on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. Hey, this is Danielle and Justin, and this is episode 52 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. And this is the show for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. Yeah, every week we're bringing you interviews with amazing experts and courageous couples sharing their stories to inspire and challenge you to build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughter along the way. Oh, yeah. So Christmas laughter. Give us a Santa, Santa laugh, honey. <laughs> I know. We're getting into that season. <laughs> we are. We're getting there. So today on the show, we have marriage pastor Bill Munch, and we'll be talking about the three warning signs you and your spouse have settled into the roommate mode. Dun, dun, dun. And we'll dive into how you can be constantly around each other, but yet still feel alone. How the perfect romantic Valentine's Day can feel like a stab in the heart. And the importance of practices like Naked Friday. Oh, yeah. I like that one already. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to my amazing husband, Justin, for Wait, giving me. me- yeah. You know, we always uh, jab at each other on the show, but I want to give you some props because... We jab at each other on the show? A little. We get, we get a little jabby. I prefer to think of it as uh, playful and honest about the the beauty and the less than beautiful moment. Yeah, me too. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you that you gave me some me time yesterday. I was like in total burnout mode and bless your heart. You were just like, what do you need? And I was like, I need a day to not be asked any questions, have any thoughts, have any agenda. And that was basically my uh, prereq for the day. And you let me be in that. Yeah. Because I like to go with as the flow. As soon as I asked a few questions yeah. about being really intentional, yeah. about setting some structures <laughs> around what that meant for you, right? Like, cause it, You're it's, such it's a fine. nerd! There's, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with a little organized chaos, right? Like, it's just, it's just a matter of... Don't ruin this day for me. It, it was a great day. It, but it, but it, was, it, was, it was tough to kind of get to that place... For, for you, for for you to ask, like, okay, I I just I need to tag out. I need I need a, a day off, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a matter of of getting clear about what that meant. Not just not just for you, like, okay, what does that look like? The coachy kind of questions. Sure. What do you need? What does it look like? Whatever. But but for you to have clarity about what was going to be restorative for you, but mm-hmm. also for me to have clarity about what that means, like, okay. We need to schedule from when to when is it? It's just basic stuff like that, that my J, my Myers-Briggs J and your giant Myers-Briggs P, Danielle's the fly by the seat of the pants. I'm the planner in the family. Yes. And sometimes to we some people pl- who know me, they're probably going, what? Oh my gosh. But um, it was, it was just a little, little heated 
Friday night to, to figure that out. Yeah, but we did it and it was awesome. And you know what? Um, Bill talks in the show today about how he planned this ideal Valentine's Day for his wife. Yes. Um, I'm just curious. What would be your ideal Valentine's Day, My honey? My ideal Valentine's Day would because, be... Because he talks about how it goes awry. And uh, I want to I want to get something right here. My ideal Valentine's Day would be a weekend at Legendary Marriage Intensive. Oh. Doing, doing an adventure, doing like doing some, having some great conversations, getting to know some folks and having a great adventure. Um, nice shameless plug. And we'll talk more <laughs> about that later. Yes, it is. No, no. Awesome. I think it would be, it would be something, uh, just something simple. I, I love to go out, maybe go for a camping trip or go down to like Fredericksburg. This is a cute little town, a couple hours away from us out in the hill country, um, just for an overnight or even honestly, just, um, uh, a hike on the trail, maybe watch the sunset with a bottle of wine and try to get home before the coyotes come after us. It's a good idea. <laughs> oh, 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 we're done. <laughs> okay, time to head home. So today on the show, we have marriage pastor Bill Munch, and we've known him through our work in marriages for about 10 years now. And he's going to talk about the three signs you may be living in roommate mode. So welcome to the show, Bill Munch. Man, we are so happy to have Bill Munch on the show today. He is... Um, he runs Not Ashamed Ministries out of Austin, Texas, um, and he's had 17 years. Can you believe that? 17 years of biblical counseling and uh, just strengthening relationships, families, and marriages. He's all about that. He's lead pastor at Redemption City Church. Uh, we got a pastor on the show, <laughs> and um, he and his wife, Deb, have been working together to transform marriages for about 17 years. And They've been married 22 years, have some kiddos of their own and um, that whole story. Now, Bill, how old are your kids now? So we have, we have three boys. Um, I've got a 20 year old. I've got a 18 year old and I have a a 16 year old. Oh my gosh. That's gotta be crazy at your house right now. We love it. It's, it's chaos all the time, but, but we enjoy chaos. Well, yeah, you got to be a little crazy to be a pastor and have three boys and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Now, we met Bill a long time ago. We actually took one of his classes back in the day. Do you remember that, Justin? We we sat in the back and we tried to like pretend like we were auditing it. Do you remember that? Yeah. Because we were... We went home and we were like, holy crap. We've got, we got to work. I know that was probably like, (laughs) what do you think, honey? Like 10 or 15 years ago, almost. Uh, It was was probably close to 10 years ago. So we, I think we kind of had the idea back then that we wanted to work on marriages and wanted to help others. And we were just kind of stepping into that place. Yeah, that was back. That was back when we were first kind of firing up stuff at the church we were working at. And um, Bill was showing us the way. I got introduced to Bill. I think I, I just I was just kind yeah. of reaching out to guys who were doing the same work and uh, right. broke up a, a friendship and Bill became a, a friend and a brother in, in arms and a mentor in some ways. And, and That's right. so, so we go way back. And so now, Bill, you've got this thing going, Not Ashamed Ministries. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, so this, this kind of came about um, probably about 10 years into our marriage. Uh, Deb and I 
kind of, you know, we're, we're serving on staff at a church in Houston. Um, you know, everything really was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad. It was good. Um, at the time, our boys were really, really young. And, and so I'm, I'm rocking and going in ministry. I was a student pastor at the time. And uh, my wife uh, was a stay-at-home mom. And uh, uh, things were good. It's just, uh, we just felt like something was missing. And so we, uh, that kind of began a journey. One day we woke up and realized that, you know, we were kind of uh, overcommitted in our schedules. Mm. And connected in our relationship. Um, and then just really kind of realized that we were living in the same house, going in the same direction just doing it alone. And what it felt like was, it felt like we were roommates. And, uh, and I was like, that just, that doesn't sound like uh, a marriage that God really uh, wants me to have, uh, as you guys call it legendary. And, um, and so, you know, that, that kind of began a journey for us, uh, kind of a moment where we began to, to focus in on what it means uh, to become one. And that really launched into Not Ashamed Ministries, obviously Genesis 2, 24 and 25, to becoming one flesh. And, uh, and they were naked and not ashamed. And so that, that, that not ashamed is more than just not being ashamed of, of Christ and, and obviously following, following his example. But, but more than that, just uh, deepening this intimacy and oneness and vulnerability in marriage is so key. Uh, and so that word not ashamed kind of launched into not ashamed ministries where we, uh, we begin our journey and just kind of helping couples uh, wherever they were at um, learn what it meant to become one. I love, Bill, how you talk about your wake-up call came when you seemed like, oh my gosh, we're roommates. Like, what's happening here? Because a lot of times, I feel like couples get that wake-up call only when it's like, so um, I'm moving out. That's or right. Yeah, in the um, middle of some kind of crisis. I won't have sex with you anymore. Or whatever the wake-up call is, It um, sometimes people don't realize that the roommate mode is a reason for a wake-up call. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you don't have to, nor should you wait until, you know, you wake up one day and you look over and you say, I, I don't think I love you anymore. That, that's, that's not what I'm, you know, that's, that's never a good moment to find yourself in. And so, I, I, absolutely. And I, I think, that, again, there's seasons in marriage where I think unintentionally we can, we can find ourselves just kind of coexisting in our marriage, uh, doing our own thing. Uh, and, and we will wake up and feel at times where, you know, am, am I as deeply connected as I should be and want to be uh, with my spouse? We kind of have a saying in, in, in with Not Ashamed Ministries and, and Become One is that um, intimacy never happens by chance. It's a choice. Yeah. So that that really helped propel us into taking our marriage to where uh, not only God wanted it to be, but where we wanted it to be. Um, you know, she's uh, she's my best friend. I, I say Deb is Deb is where amazing happens for me. <laughs> hey, I like that definition. That's a good definition of a wife yeah. right there. That's legendary stuff. Now, I'm curious, Bill, like because a lot of couples don't get that wake up call in the roommate kind of place. What are you talk about three things, three kind of like uh, red alert kind of things that let you know you're kind of in that roommate zone? Um, what are those three things that you talk about? Yes. So, the, the first thing that, that kind of was a, a an indicator was uh, our schedules overcommitted. Uh, you know, with three boys, active boys, um, ministry. Uh, you know, ministry is no no different than any other any other occupation. Uh, just the time demands, and so I, I like to say there was we found ourselves in a place where there was no white space on on the paper. Every mm. every minute of every day was scheduled, planned out. Um, you know, and, and so we're just running. 
uh, aimlessly, right? I mean, just kind of trying to get to the next thing and get through the next thing, whether it's ministry, whether it's sports, whether it's uh, whatever we have to do. And so we were way overcommitted uh, and just trying to, to manage home and, and kind of manage our, our marriage. Uh, and then this, the second indicator we kind of just kind of just kind of opened our eyes to see is that we were way underconnected. Now, when I say underconnected, you know, um, there's, there's kind of three intimacies we talk about that are very key, uh, in becoming one. And, and one is obviously a, a spiritual connection is, is vitally important. Um, the, the second is, um, obviously the physical connection, right? Sex, sex is incredibly important in marriage. We know that. Uh, but the third piece was relationally, emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for us, you know, um, you know, the, the, the sex was, was, was great. Uh, here we are in, in ministry. Um, but, uh, that, that third piece of relationally, emotionally connected to one another was where we struggled being underconnected. Um, because again, intimacy doesn't happen by chance. Uh, I, I kind of realized I didn't know as much about my wife as I thought I did. Um, you know, there's some, there's some knowing some surface, surface level stuff about wife and about husband and, and about marriage. And then there's some knowing, uh, one another. And we'll maybe talk about that in a little bit as we talk about Yada or whatever, but it's just a deep knowing of one another. And, um, you know, just, and then based on that knowing, how well are you connecting and, and, and loving and caring for each other? And so that was where we found ourselves. We just, it was just kind of superficial talking about the doing and not the being together. And, uh, and we were just, we were both lonely and missing that. And, and wow. that kind of led us to that third piece of aloneness where we, um, again, just kind of felt like roommates. We're, I mean, it's crazy to say we've been married at that moment, 10 years. Um, we're high school sweethearts. And, and so we'd spent a lot of time together. Um, and, th- and that kind of speaks to the, the thing. You can be present in a home. You can be around, uh, around your spouse physically and still be absolutely alone because aloneness is not oh, about, true. yes, it, it's not about uh, being in a room with somebody. It, it's really about being connected to their heart. And, uh, and that's, that's really where aloneness is removed. And so our, we had some heart issues that really needed to get dealt with uh, in our marriage about, about knowing and connecting to one another. And so we, those were kind of the indicators that, that kind of uh, showed up in our marriage 10 years in. And you know what? All three of those, the um, overcommitted, underconnected, and alone can make you feel like maybe you can identify those problems. Like maybe you can say like, oh yeah, I am feeling kind of alone or I am overcommitted or I am underconnected. But sometimes you feel helpless as to like, how would I even go about changing any of those things? Because we've worn this rut pretty hard and it's, <laughs> and it's, pretty, yeah. it's pretty deep. And I really have no idea like where to even go from here. And it's like, why did I get here? How did I get here? How do I even get out? And like the overcommitted thing, that feels like, you know, you could probably take some steps to pare down your schedule and all that kind of stuff. But everybody's busy. You know, like even if you're not married, even if you don't have kids, everybody is busy. And I'm just wondering, what do you tell couples and families um, about tackling that overcommitted piece? Well, you know, being overcommitted, I think the key is, is not letting, um, life just happen. You, you, you've got to have some priority about what matters most in your life. And especially as it relates to your, to your marriage, you know, outside of our, uh, being connected to God and, and relationally, um, you know, it, it's our spouse unapologetically, even before our kids. And so, you know, it, it takes priority for that. 
And I don't think people have taken the time. And a lot of couples don't, don't stop and pause enough to say, okay, what's most important about my marriage and how do we continue to facilitate uh, connecting? And so, you know, because we give our time to what's most important to us. It really is about priority. And so, um, you know, being overcommitted is, is, is having the, uh, I think the, the courage to say no to some good things in our life, but to say, man, I, I'm going to put my wife and my husband first and, uh, and spend that time uh, building in. So we, so one of the things we, we, we committed as we talk about overcommitted is we, we kind of scheduled our week and we, we kind of made, it's, it's kind of funny. We, we joke about it, but we have a, we have a day we call naked Friday in our, in our marriage, in our home. And so, so wait, what now we need to expand on that naked Friday. <laughs> is that part of the, not ashamed thing? The, uh, let's so, be naked and not ashamed. I love absolutely. it. Well, so here's why we did that is because if we didn't have an intentional day where it was just about her and just about me, um, it wasn't going to happen. The demands for ministry were never going to change the demands for life and, and kids, all that was, you know, and, and work and, and bills and all that is never changing. And so we just had to say, listen, this is, this is our day. And you, know, you decided not, on naked Friday. Do you get naked? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? you know? so, <laughs> I love it. It's a Monday right now. Bill is fully clothed while we're talking. Yeah. So thanks just so thanks y'all for know. not scheduling this on a Friday, Bill. Really. Uh, thank you. It's, it's funny because everybody in the church and everybody uh, in, in my, uh, Kind of my friendships understand that day. Now, I'll tell you, it's not it's not necessarily about being naked physically, although that that is a great uh, advantage of that when the boys are at school and uh, it's not summer and it's just Fridays. But um, more than that, it's it just says, "Hey, you matter to me," and I'm going to make sure that this day is all about you. It's all about it's all about us. And so we, it's just kind of our we we will lay around. We may watch some Netflix. We may go to a movie. We may go shopping. We, but it's just about us. And we don't let any, anything or, or anyone kind of jump in front of that um, because it's a priority. And so that was something that really helped us say, hey, you know, we're not going to get this place being overcommitted again. We're we just kind of coexisting. And so you, you know, gotta be intentional. Uh, and it doesn't have my chance. I love the piece that you're talking about, the intentionality, but also I know that sometimes I let things into my schedule that are not even a priority. And it's like these things fill up. It's like these random emails or, you know, things at school. And you're like, this is not a priority. Why is this monopolizing half of my schedule? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Well, I think it's just, we have a culture, especially in America that just says, you know, if you're not busy, you're not productive. And Mm. I, I, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, and I think that's success. And in with that, especially for the guys that I talk to, is this notion of how our identity is so wrapped up in our our work. Yes, work becomes the god that we worship. In yes. we sacrifice family, and we sacrifice health and fitness, and we sacrifice and sacrifice in service of that, and it never loves us back. Yes, that's exactly right. And and I love in the idea, like you, you have the male aspect of it. The female aspect of it too is like, if you spend a lot of time, I feel like there's a lot of like, wherever your time is, that's, you know, what's important or whatever. You're, you're, um, you're a martyr or you're a good mom. If you spend a lot of time, you know, preparing lunches or work, helping out at the school or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. It's like, if you fill up your schedule with the good mom wife things, then you're really good. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really, honestly, I've been really thinking about this a lot lately about how committed I am to uh, the 27 different things going on professionally, 
with hobbies, with uh, relationships. How can you be really committed to 27 things though? Yeah. And and I'm (laughs) stepping into this new season uh, in my, in my work where uh, there's some big shifts happening and um there's a part of me it's like okay i'm all in like i'm going to get every every book and i'm going to be, be doing this stuff and i'm going 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 and like I, I was just i was even thinking about this earlier this morning about um like how easy it is to to dig in to stuff that is not that that second priority under god yeah. how how quickly i'm drawn to that absolutely no, and I think that's that's the you, you know absolutely where your heart is your 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 passions follow you know and your time and your energy and um, and you quickly kind of detach from what's most important you know and so it's it is it is a discipline it's a challenge and it it's uh, it's something that you can't ever I don't think you could ever take your hand off that uh, just the way we're wired so I think also it's like if you really did pare down your schedule to the only things that were your most important priorities, I think there's a lot in like, I will admit to this for sure that it's like, you're scared of like, if you actually have time to yourself and quiet and whatever, it's like, what would you possibly do? Like, that's the scary thing. Yeah. Well, what if I don't have anything to do? What if there's not a thought in my head or what if the thoughts in my head are ugly or, you know, I mean, I think that's an extrovert's problem, honey. No doubt. We have all extroverts here, so we know what that means. I think that feeds in though. Um, you know, we, we need, um, we need space in our lives. We have to, uh, we need space. I think that's, we don't, I think sometimes we're afraid to think we're afraid to pause yeah, um, but that's when, man, that's where God speaks the loudest to us. Is you know whether it's about our marriage or about our life or about our kids or about ministry. Um, man, that's why Sabbath is so important, and to have that space in your life where you can you begin to hear the heart of God and begin to focus in on what's most important, kind of reevaluate um, and set your course, uh, especially as it relates to your relationships that matter most, your your marriage and your walk with God. So. Um, there's no doubt that, that uh, space matters and it, it, it's a key factor in being overcommitted and leaving room on the page um, for your spouse, uh, sometimes just for rest, just to do yeah. nothing. You know, it's so important. Yeah, the, the rest, restorative play, recreation, yes. those, those places uh, where I, individually and together, like having, having some rhythms for that. I like how, yes. you know, you told, you told us about your naked Friday. I feel like that's, that's probably your Sabbath, right, Bill? You know what? That, that's a great, it's a great point. It's probably my Sabbath for my marriage. That, that's, that's where we play. That's where we rest. Cause I think um, people have this vision of Sabbath, you know, like, well, when the sun goes down, you lock yourself in a closet with the Bible and you don't come out for 24 hours or, you know, something. And it's like, mm, I'm not sure that's really what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. I mean, you know, Sabbath was all about setting our hearts and our minds uh, on the Lord, right. And our devotion. And, and I think we need almost a Sabbath for our marriage and where we dedicate that time and that day um, to give our heart and our desires to our spouse. Uh, they deserve that. You know, that's, think about this. It's, it's the second greatest commandment. It, it, it is right. God says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then he says, love your neighbor 
as yourself. Now, what's so interesting is that word neighbor literally means your nearest one. Yeah. Well, guess what? If you're married, guess who that nearest one is? It's mm-hmm. your spouse. And so, man, God calls us to, to set aside time to love him and to know him. And then the second greatest commandment is to, is, is to love our neighbor, which is our spouse, our nearest one. And then it's, it's got to take, it's got to be intentional. It's got to be important. It will not happen. Intimacy will not happen by chance. It's a choice. And so it's, I, I just say it, it's one of the, it's one of the best times um, of my life is, is spending time just laughing with my spouse, not talking about bills, not talking about issues, not talking about the, the conversations you had with the principal because your 16 year old, you know, got in trouble at school. You know? Not that that's a not that that's a real story, right, Bill? I mean, you no, just of course it's a not. fictitious story. My neighbors, it's my friends. That, that happened to them. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. your nearest one told you about that. No, no, you're speaking of intimacy, so that kind of leads into your second um, kind of red flag here. If you're kind of in roommate mode, and that was that you're underconnected. Yep. Um, and so I think that's another place where. Yeah. It's scary if you don't have a list of like, okay, we're going to talk about the bills and the chores and the kids and, yes. you know, what, what's going to happen there? How would we even get connected? Yes. Well, that's, it's a great question. And, you know, um, here's where it kind of showed up in our marriage. Um, you know, I'm the romantic in our marriage and about this mark, this 10 year mark where we realized this, um, you know, it was Valentine's Day and I had um, all this stuff planned for my wife. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I had a dinner plan. I had a babysitter set. Um, I'd, I'd bought in her um, this ring from James Avery called this eternal love ring, right? I mean, it's just like, you know, who wouldn't want an eternal love ring? <laughs> and, uh, and so I, you know, I'd, I'd planned this day. It was on, it was a Saturday. It was, it was Valentine's Day. I told my wife, hey, go spend some time with your, your, your friends, go, go get your feet done, whatever y'all do with that. I don't know what that looks like, but go get your nails done. Go have, go have some you time. I'm going to take care of the boys. So I did that. Um, but I had a plan. And so that day I kind of planned. Okay. You'd have me right there. Like (laughs) go out with your friends. Okay. There we go. We're done. Perfect. Valentine's day. (laughs) She, she appreciates that. She, she, she did. And, uh, so I, I, I planned to do some things around the house. She'd been asking me to do like hang some curtains. I'm not the most handiest guy in the world. Like I'd rather call somebody. Cause if I don't, I'm going to, they're gonna have to fix my mistake kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's like, like, like she told me to fix the toilet cause it was dripping. And so my solution was to turn the water off. I didn't hear the <laughs> Use the other toilet. Right. It's, it doesn't drip now. It doesn't drip. True story. And so Justin's I'm like, has been known to just go buy a new toilet. <laughs> He's done that too. Yeah. So you guys are in good company here. Of the half dozen toilets that I've attempted to fix over the the you know decade and a half that we've been married, um, I've never been able to fix one. I've always just ended up replacing it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, this was just a flapper, so it was it was okay. But but so I had this plan. I was going to do some stuff around the house, and I had these little cards that said "Thinking of you." So I I did that. I, I fixed, hung the curtains in the room, fixed the toilet, cleaned the garage out, put these little cards in there, even went to the laundry room, look at all the laundry. And I scratched out thinking of you. Cause I was like, man, I will ruin some clothes. I said, thought of you didn't want to mess up the clothes, put the card there. <laughs> and, uh, all, all that said, went out to dinner that night, came home, man, had, had some balloons on the bed and had, drew her bath, all this stuff. And, uh, she comes out of the bathroom and, and she's got this look on her face. That's just like, just dead. Just like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing all this for me? And, um, 
And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of caught off by that. And actually I'm kind of ticked because I'm like, wait a minute, I've spent a lot of money and a lot of time fixing. And, and you, this is not the reaction I was looking for. Refuel your relationship for the adventure that lies ahead. The next legendary marriage intensive will be February 15th through 18th in breathtaking Southern Utah. And it'll include an epic adventure into Zion National Park. Yeah, at Legendary Marriage Intensive, we take a deep dive into your love story and we help you create a clear shared mission for the next season of your marriage and family so you can stop feeling stuck, stale, and alone in your marriage and start having more intimacy, fun, and adventure. And here's what one participant had to say. It felt like family from the moment we walked into the lodge. Legendary Marriage Intensive opened up communication with my spouse in a whole new way and was a whole new self-discovery and recharge between us. I'm so excited for the second half of our life together. By setting apart time to focus on your story at the Legendary Marriage Intensive, February 15th through the 18th, you will fill up your love tank restore and recharge it. Second, you'll have an amazing adventure together. And third, you'll get to write the next chapter of your journey together. So hit up legendarymarriage.com slash intensive to join us in beautiful Southern Utah for a couple's getaway that will not only bring you closer together, but also give you a clear plan moving forward. So register now and make your marriage legendary. And now back to part two of our interview with Bill Munch. And so her literal question was, why, why are you doing this? And in that moment is where I, I realized, man, something's going on in my mind. I, I didn't know her. Uh, I didn't know what she needed. didn't know what her relation, what we call intimacy needs were. Um, you know, here I am. My, my top need is affection. And I am trying to give her what I need and not really giving her what she needs. And in that moment, her, her you know, I didn't realize at that moment until a few weeks later that she had never had a birthday growing up. Never, never been celebrated, never had experienced attention. And so here I am showering with all this attention, trying to give her affection. She's like, what are you doing? And she's it was like uncomfortable so, for her. Absolutely. And that began our journey of re- me really understanding the reason why I was so underconnected and she was so interconnected to me is we didn't know each other at a deep, intimate level. And, and so her highest need as I began to journey through this intimacy needs was her highest needs were comfort. Uh, was security. Um, it was, and it was, it was a kind of this, this need of, of, of just of support, obviously being a mom. And so I'm giving her something she doesn't even need. And that kind of opened my eyes to see really how um, maybe we were not connecting because we didn't know each other. It's hard to care for people you don't know. Mm. So that was really a, a cool kind of a God moment where God allowed us uh, at a crossroads to begin this journey where we are today of, of knowing each other's intimacy needs. And so we're, we're real, um, real intentional now. Um, my, my top three needs are affection, um, uh, approval and attention. She says at times could be a little high maintenance. <laughs> but I, 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 so if she would have planned that day for you, it would have been amazing. That's exactly right. Loved it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. And, uh, and so hers were, were, you know, comfort and, and now it's comfort, security. And actually attention is, is because, you know, that never what she grew up with, but she realized she likes attention. She likes not, not attention from everybody else saying, Hey, everybody look at me, but just for me to know her and yeah. based on knowing her, entering her world and, and loving her there. Yeah. So now we, we focus on that. And so that's the way that we were able to connect and kind of, uh, 
kind of override that underconnected feeling in our, in our relationship is now that when we meet each other's needs, it's like, man, she knows me or he knows me, right? He cares. And, uh, so anyway, that's, that's, that was, that was a huge moment in our marriage that really began this journey where we are today in, uh, in, in not ashamed ministries. It's amazing how, um, just in that story, something, uh, restorative happens when we start to know each other. Yes. Uh, it's like that. You said Deb's need, Deb, her, her desire for attention mm. was, uh, redeemed or restored in a way. Yes. Through that growth in your relationship. Mm. Absolutely. And I love too how you, it was like, if you would have written a how-to on, you know, how to make a great, you know, Valentine's Day date for your wife, like, you know, probably 90% of women would have been like, yes, that's amazing. Honey, why don't you do that? You know, that kind of a thing. But when you get a gift or a date or whatever, when you feel like you're not seen or heard or known it hurts even more. Like if you would have just brought some flowers, she would have been like, Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. But because you took it to the nth level of, I don't know you. I really don't know you. I really, really don't know you. It was like, ah, you're crushing me. It hurts so bad. But, and the difference is, uh, failing forward. Mm. Like you guys use the, that story as a means of, making a shift and moving into curiosity and knowing each other more. No, absolutely. Yeah. That, that was a moment where you either, you know, um, you, you choose to stay where you are and suffer or you say, you know what, we, there's, the pain is too great. We need to, we need to move past this and move into some, mm-hmm. some health and, uh, and it's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't regret any of it, man. It's, it's got us. I love what you said, restorative. It's been so good to see how we've both grown in our both giving and receiving of these intimacy needs. And that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a skill you can learn. It's not something you're born with, mm-hmm. right? We're all wired this way relationally, but, um, but it's something you can grow in. And, and so she is, she's done an amazing job at um, learning to give me affection, um, both not just physical, but just with words and with uh, demonstrations of care um, and I've gotten a whole lot better at, uh, at support, you know, um, and caring and comforting her, um, which was not always my, my strong point. I'd rather, I'd rather just say, Hey, suck it up. Let's go. And uh, that really doesn't help in marriage. Yeah. I feel like that, that story could have gone two different ways. Um, and, and on this show, we're talking about how, you know, if you realize you're in roommate mode, you could step up and really learn more about each other, or you can just keep going and, you know, roll the dice and see what happens. But I feel like in that moment, y'all chose to really know each other, like engage, like we're going to get after this. We love each other. Or you could have just gone into number three, which you talked about, which was just drifting further apart and feeling more alone. Like she could have just said, well, he doesn't know me. Um, and you know, it's, you know, am I being, am I being high maintenance by like giving him a hard time about, you know, an awesome Valentine's day? Like what kind of jerk am I? Like I'm telling him not to do the toilet. I'm telling him not to send me to get my nails done with my girls. I'm, you know, like, what am I, am I a monster? Like, Oh, forget it. I'm not even going to mention anything about it. I'm going to clam it up. Right. The good guy. Yeah. We love each other. We'll just, you know, you do your thing that you do and I do my thing and 
we're fine. We'll be all right. And, and on and on the other side, I like yeah. I see I see this this same story play out. I don't know how many times where the guy says, "Oh, and so I did this and this and this and this and this," and then it's never she kind of she kind of pooped on it, and so I just went, eh, "Forget it." Didn't work. Not worth it. Yeah. Well, yeah. screw it. I tried. That's right. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, you know, and, and that you bring up an interesting point as we talk about aloneness because first thing I would say is I don't, I really don't think that people understand um, that they're alone. They feel it. They just never named it um, in their marriage. They, they, you know, they, they just feel, well, we're, we're, we're married. We're in the same house. You, you know, you know, I love you. Right. Look, look I, I did the laundry. Look, I'm paying the bills. Listen, you know, so I, I don't first thing I don't think people understand what aloneness means in a sense of they don't know what it they don't know what to call it. Uh, the second thing is interesting is that I totally agree that most couples just figure out we're just going to we're just going to maintain, um, you know, they're too afraid to make a mistake. And, and so this is why the highest divorce rate is 22 years and above which it blows my mind that people can spend an entire life together, raise kids, get careers, send their kids off to be successful, wake up one day and say, I don't know that I want to be married to you anymore. Fact, That's you guys right now. Aren't you 22 years? We're, absolutely. We're 20. Yeah. We're 20. Just hit our 23rd last week. And so. I, I you, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's congratulations. Thank you. But I, I could see that. Had we not had that, that, uh, man, that crisis mo- moment or that moment to, to, to go beyond roommates, I could totally see waking up at 23. You know, we've got, a, we've got a kid in college. We've got another one graduating right now. And I've got a, a, a sophomore fixing to become a junior. And had we spent the last 13 years existing, right, instead of thriving, I, I totally get like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe we're just not meant to be together. And that's what couple, and it just, it blows me away. But I think it's because they've never experienced what it means to become one intimately. Right, more than the physical, it's it's and more than even the spiritual, it's the relational and the connection there, and so aloneness is at peace, and and uh, people become either self reliant or as you as you say, it, Danielle, they they get kind of they self condemn and say, well, you know, I'm just maybe I'm not worth loving, or maybe I I I can't do this, and we can't do this, and then then they just you know slowly drift, and so and you, know, you said people don't know that they're alone, right. like um. If you're, if you're one of my, one of our listeners, like, how could you be able to identify like, oh, we are alone in our marriage. Mm -hmm. What are some of those, what does that look like? So, you know, we, we, that's a great question. We ask our couples in our, in our workshops that we lead about what does aloneness feel like, you know? And so, uh, and the reason why we do that is because it's usually we realize we're alone when we feel it in, uh, so, uh, alone, aloneness means, you know, uh, disconnected. Uh, aloneness is fearful, right? Uh, uh, aloneness is is one where uh, maybe you feel uh, hopeless, right? And so, like things can't change. Uh, and so, when couples feel this in their marriage, nothing's going to change, and I'm kind of hopeless in this. Uh, then this feeling, of, then this feeling of, well, I'm just I'm just alone, and nobody knows what I feel, and especially my spouse. And I'm not, I'm not going to step out and share it with them, right? Because that's not going to help. And so it's, 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 you know, this, this sense of aloneness and, you know, and, and here's the, here's the key. We, we see this from the very beginning. We saw this in Genesis, right? This is, this is, this is not just something that happened in marriage. This happened at the very beginning of creation. We were wired and created to relate first to God and then to one another. And the very first 
piece of aloneness shows up even before sin enters the world. It's crazy, right? Genesis 2, it says, and it's not good for man to be alone. Now, now think about that statement. Adam, this is before the fall, right before Adam and Eve make any, any, any mistakes here and sin enters, but they had everything physically. They had everything spiritually. They walked with God face to face. And yet God realized Adam, even though he had everything, he had everything spiritually, physically, that it was still something, it was not good for him to be alone. He needed, he needed to help me. And this is where he brings this connection of relationship in at such a deep level. And he creates Eve and he says, it's bone of my bone and flesh to my flesh, which now you get this idea of two become one and they were naked and not ashamed. And so this is deep connection happened and aloneness was removed through relationship. And that's what's so key. This is why aloneness is not removed by proximity of people in your life. It's not removed by anything materialistic. Um, it's removed through relationship. God shows us that. And so, you know, that, that's what's so key is, is it, it, no matter where you are in your marriage, whether you're in a crisis or whether you're just ready to take that next step into a legendary marriage, man, it, it's learned. It's a process. And I, I call it a beautiful journey of, of intimacy because I, I am more in love today at 23 years in, in marriage with my wife than I ever thought I could be. And that's because every day and we get to or every, you know, every moment we get to share, it's, it's about deepening our intimacy with one another relationally, knowing and, and communicating and connecting. And, and, and so it's just, you know, and so we teach couples how to do that uh, in, our, in our workshops. We, we give them what we call intimacy inventories, uh, which man would love to, to make that available to um to, to your listeners, but that's just a, a great little tool to say, Hey, where, where is here? Where, where are we in our relationship? Uh, because I can't, I, I don't know where to, you know, how to get where I need to go if I don't know first where we're starting. And so, so that's, you know, so that issue of aloneness is so key um, because I think that's probably one of the things that is an epidemic in our marriages today is that couples uh, talk about being roommates. Um, no one wakes up wanting to be a roommate. Uh, in a marriage, but it happens. Mm-hmm. So is, the aloneness is, is, is a key culprit of that. Yeah. I think there's two things involved. One is just the the drift. The natural drift is toward isolation, right? Yes. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a, in some ways it's a protective thing. We all do it. We all put up walls that, that, that test and push people away to, to test them, to see if they'll push through. Yep. Because we want to be known. Yes. And pursued. And pursued yes. and seen and valued and, and all of that. And at the same time, we're withdrawing from other people because of it. So yes. you used a word earlier. It's one of my favorite uh, terms. And I actually learned it from you. Oh, Bill. from watching you. Abilism. Uh, years ago. Abilism. Uh, yada. And, yes. and just to be clear, we're not talking about Yoda. We're not talking about the little green guy from Star Wars. We're talking about yada. yada. So yada, you, you, it is like it's 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 in so so many ways the answer to this. Uh, did you just quote you? <laughs> I tried. To. That was a brilliant moment. That was like I don't know which emotional need that, that needs for me, but but Danielle, it's your yoga yoda need. It's my yoda need. <laughs> Put that in the Not inventory. <laughs> but it's it's really the answer to a, to in a lot of ways to all of this, isn't it? It it really is. You know, yada is a Hebrew word that we see, um, and here's, it, it means to know someone deeply. Now that's a key, it's a key phrase there. We, we see this in Psalm 139 where David writes, uh, in, in, in the scripture and, and he just makes a statement that, that God, you have known me. 
right? That, you know, my lying down, my rising up and you, you've searched me and you've known me. And that word known means it's, it's being yada to deeply know. And so it means, you know, I, I kind of put it in a frame of, of this, that, um, you know, when we all, we all know what a junk drawer is in our house, right? We all have one. Right. And that's where, you know, someone pops around and it comes up to the house. You didn't, they were coming up. You got stuff on the counter. You're like, Oh, let's put all the crap in the drawer. I don't want them to see it. And so we throw it all in this drawer and we shut it and like, okay, counter counters are clean. Um, so if I'm in a, a relationship where someone really adopt, they, they adopt me. That means I'm, I'm in a, in a relationship where I'm, I'm both wanting to be known and I'm going to allow myself to be known. And I, it's like me pulling out the drunk drawer and seeing and letting someone see all that I am and all that I'm not. And there's, there's such security and, and really grace in that, that someone could know me and love me in spite of okay. me, right? That's Yada. And so, um, you know, and that really, that, that's, a, that's a love that God gives us, right? We see that all throughout the gospel, right? Where, where Christ, you know, even while we were still sinners, right? Christ died. And so there's this sense of, man, I, I know everything about you. And even though I know everything about you, I still choose to love you. And so Yada is a, is a deep knowing of, of one another. And, and so this, this whole idea of removing intimacy, or I mean, I'm sorry, removing aloneness happens through intimacy. And you can't have intimacy without knowing your spouse deeply, getting beyond the surface. Um, you know, and so understanding how they're wired relationally, understanding um, what they struggle with. Right. Uh, one of the things we like to say, it's not enough. Intimacy is a two way street. It's not enough for me just even to deeply know you. The question is, am I willing to be known by you? Am I willing to kind of strip down and share some 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 vulnerability with you? Because even in vulnerability, right, it, it brings in, in, it brings connection. It brings it deepens oneness. Right. That if someone would trust you with something so intimate, man, how that just uh, that that endears you to them. Right. It doesn't pull, push you away. It actually pulls you closer. Man, Bill, I yeah. love the uh, passion that you have just around, you know, connection with your your wife and your family and God. And it's just evident that you just are, he's a legendary dude. He's always wanting. Bill is a legendary <laughs> dude. I, I mean, really, really. I love how you're you're inspiring couples to just take that leap of, you know, stop being overcommitted, underconnected and alone. There is... Um, a way to change it. And so Bill is offering um, an intimacy inventory and we'll include those links um, in the show notes. Uh, one other thing I'll say is this is, you know, we do workshops all the time. We are committed uh, to helping people, uh, man, deepen their intimacy and, and deepen their oneness, becoming one in their marriage. As you guys like to say, becoming legendary. And that is so key um, because it doesn't happen by chance. It's a choice. And so we do actually workshops. Um, we offer them through the state of Texas. We do community workshops. We also do faith-based workshops. But we do these workshops because we care about couples. Uh, couples need couples. And, and so we invest into marriages. We believe in marriage. And so we, we actually will have that on our, our website as well. Um, you can sign up for those. They're free. Uh, we, we, do, um, we do four a year, absolutely free. We do also do marriage workshops. Uh, I'm sorry, marriage weekends as well. Uh, and so you can, you can find all that at redemptioncity.church. Um, or you can email me bill at become one.org. Just all kinds of people show up at, at our workshops because we say, I say it this way. Nobody wants to suck at marriage. We don't sign up for suckiness, do we? No. <laughs> we don't. 
<laughs> nobody, nobody signed up for that. We signed I, I up for the sign up for good enough. No, we no. signed up for the adventure. Thanks, Bill, for being on the show. We know our listeners will really appreciate that free resource. Awesome. Well, you guys have a happy Thanksgiving, man. As always, man, it's a joy and blessing just to be a part of your lives and uh, appreciate you. So way back when we audited, we talked about how we kind of sat yeah. in the back of the room of Bill's class. We took this intimacy inventory that he's giving away. And I feel like some of my needs are just my needs. They're yeah. the same. But some of them change depending on life circumstance or situation. Sure. Have your, Do yours change at all? I, I think they carry different weight at different seasons. Mm, right? Okay. So if you're, if you're struggling through something really hard at work and feeling insecure, then more comfort might, might be needed or more affirmation might be needed. Things like that. So I think there's all, they're all there. It's just a matter of the balance, the ebb and flow and the, the prioritization of them shifts. Yeah, that's true. I feel like some of them are probably always kind of low, um, but then some might fluctuate for priority. I need more attention. I need more affection. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the challenge. This week, take the intimacy inventory that Bill's offering. Um, We'll give you the links in the show notes to get that. So find out what are your spouse's intimacy needs and have a conversation um, about one tangible way to meet those needs this week. It's good stuff. It's a great way to to build some intimacy. Yeah, that's right. And then come join in the conversation on our free community on Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support and encourage and inspire and share stories about transforming your marriage from ordinary to legendary. Yeah, just search for Legendary Marriage Group or visit legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash zero five two. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.